The Bottom Line, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Austin Sports Talk Leader, a.m. 1300 The Zone. Let's go! Dawn of a new day in the greatest city in America. Greatest college town in America. Austin, Texas, baby. Love our college students, of course. They're not here right now, but when they come back, they'll never leave. All right, it is a way back Wednesday. Harge is here. What's up? Chip Brown is here. What's up, man? The moderator. Come on, man. The moderator. Come on. What's going on, brother? Hanging out. Salty's here. Spinning the hits on a way back Wednesday. Karaoke tunes. Karaoke tunes. Why karaoke tunes, Salty? Mr. Tom Herman let us know yesterday what his go-to tune is. Do you know what it is? Bust a move. Bust a move. Young MC. Who'd have thought? Especially that song of Young MC. Young MC obviously was around for a little while, especially during my time in the 90s. But for Herman to come out there and that was his go-to carry, I would have never saw Tom Herman as a bust-a-move kind of guy. He has to dad dance while he's singing that, right? You can't stand still and sing that song. No, there's too much energy in that song. You have to... Yeah, it's not a ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Just this him here's and his sledgehammer getting, at, getting after it. Yeah. Mike With in the, the other hand. With the sledgehammer. What's so heavy, it naturally moves, sways him to one side or the other. <laughs> he talked about the sledgehammer right. yesterday. He did. He did. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was well done. Well, thought it was well done. Good job by you and the 24-7 crew. Y'all, y'all did a very, very good job yesterday of keeping that thing moving because sometimes – Tom Herman can talk a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So you 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 kept him focused on what was going on. So that was good. That Thanks, Harch. That was good. Yeah, you can go check it out. It's it's available. Yep. Um gotta come in swinging a sledgehammer. Um here's here's uh Salty, did you clip this? Tom Herman? You gotta come in swinging swinging a sledgehammer. You 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 can't come in and I say that figuratively, uh, you know, I, I did do a test swing on that sledgehammer uh, on the locker in 2017, and I busted right through it, and I must have hit a stud or something, but it didn't knock me down, Chip, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> hey, man. Okay. He's owning it. Right, right. He's owning the sledgehammer. Well, and that's, the, that's, that's why I continue to say, these little series and him getting out there and, and being being to the front of the line, so to speak, as the head coach of the University of Texas and letting people see another side of him has been actually perfect timing. This as as much as this entire coronavirus situation sucks, and it sucks, sucks. for everyone, not just the sports fans, but the people that are on the front line. Again, I applaud the nurses and the doctors and the EMTs and first responders for taking care of the people that are really in need. It is good for these coaches and especially Tom Herman to let people see another side of him. I'm, I'm pleased with the way that he's handling this. Although he, I had a, a Stan Adams moment, uh, Sean Adams, what he called me, Billy. Yesterday. What what was the guy's name? Taylor or, or Chip? Can we Mike fill him back up on there? <laughs> Mike Is it Bill. Mike that Horn or something Bill. like that. Oh, uh, was that a comment that just popped up? Or Mike? Mike Hardball Hard. 
I'm like, look at Harbaugh Harge <laughs> putting his name on <laughs> on these questions. Is Bill, the Billy, is that Billy? <laughs> hey, we'll just call you Billy the rest of the day. You go to next press conference you go to. Can you wear a name tag that says, "Hi, my name is Bill"? No. Well, the funny thing was Chip going, uh. Mike. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think Chip has ever in his life called me Mike. Mike. On our Facebook, I mean, on our AM 1300 The Zone show page where it says get to know, yeah, yeah, it yeah. says Chip Brown, and mine just says Harge. I know. I'm harge. trying to change that. Um, I go Harge. I, I was sitting there watching it being like, you talked to him yesterday. <laughs> you talked to him yesterday. <laughs> How do you forget Hardball Harge? Oh. Uh, Man. Oh, it was good stuff, Chip. Uh, Mike. Mike. <laughs> like, Who's that last really guy from? Chip? Mike. You're like, uh, I don't know, Taylor. Uh, pull that up. Oh, uh, Billy? <laughs> Bill? <laughs> Did you get the sense he was committing that one to memory? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Because yeah, you, your was question was, any misconceptions? Yeah, that Are you there, would like to right. clear up. I said, right. is there any misconceptions you'd like to clear up? Because in, in all reality... I thought he answered the question. He answered in three different ways, but I think he answered the question. And you and I and a lot of the people on this show, we talked about the fact of we don't really know him. Now that we know him and he's letting us get to know him, some people's views of him may change. Some people's may not. But at least now we're having an opportunity to see another side of this guy and who he really is. And I think it's refreshing for whether you like it or not, I think it's refreshing to be able to know who he is. Yeah. Um, there was news yesterday and news from the White House. Yep, yep, yep. How about this blue ribbon committee that uh, Donald Trump has put together? We, ha- we have that. We have that? Yeah, we have that of that blue ribbon committee because I, too, was very impressed with the way that he's pulled these minds together to try to help stimulate this economy again. In sports, we want to get our sports back. So importantly, these will be some separate calls. Some will be together by the way lists and some will be separate. But we have to get our sports back. I'm tired of watching baseball games that are 14 years old. <laughs> but I haven't actually had too much time to watch. I would say maybe I watch one batter and then I get back to work. The NBA, Adam Silver, the Major League Baseball, we miss our baseball. This is baseball season right here. Rob Manford, thank you very much. NFL, Roger Goodell, thank you, Roger. UFC, Dana White, great Dana White. PGA, Jay Moynihan. LPGA, Michael Wan. USTA, Patrick Galbraith. Major League Soccer, Don Garber, WWE, the great Vince McMahon, NASCAR, Lisa Kennedy, thank you, Lisa, NHL, Gary Bettman, from the New England Patriots, Bob Kraft, Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban. I think it's impressive that he put Cuban on there. Yeah. Because Cuban and he have gone head to head. Right. I mean, whether it's over The Apprentice versus Shark Tank right? to just Cuban ripping Trump at every turn about everything, that says it's interesting. Well, I mean, 
you can't not have the two big guys on there, Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban, regardless of that. And Robert Kraft. I mean, you're getting – Homer Harch. Well, I'm just saying, Jarrah hey, is the one of the – You can't have you can't have a committee without the two big dogs. Right. Big the, dogs being uh, – These are the people that bring in the most money. Texas owners, you know what I mean? Right, right. And Cuban being who he is, and like you said, he's so outspoken that it was, it was good for Trump to say, all right, let me hear what you got to say so we can get this thing going because – Regardless if they like each other, they're they're all billionaires. So you got to be in there and have that conversation to buh, how buh, how are we buh, gonna get this money back because we're we're hemorrhaging it right now. Yeah, we were talking so. yesterday about how Cubans still holding out the possibility of being a late entry into the presidential race. Right. Hey, write me in. <laughs> write me in. Right. Hey, just write my name down. Right. So this is and he was right yesterday. I was watching the 1996 World Series for a little bit, and our man Chipper Jones was up at the plate, and I snapped a picture and I sent it to him. He was like, yeah, we didn't win that series. (laughs) But he was right. It was 1996. How many rings did Chipper get? One. He got one. He got one. Was that 91? No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, it was 99, I believe it was. 99. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's see if that was a hard fact or a hard Yeah, fact. we'll check into it. I Salty. said I believe. I know. I said I believe. I'm, just, I'm testing you out today. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. On a Wednesday, see how your hard facts are Yeah, are see going. if I'm sharp today. We're, we're checking 99. <laughs> All right, it is uh, Way Back Wednesday right here on the bottom line. Back. I got the hiccups, hard. I was going to say, do I need to watch out for my man over there? My guy over there is getting uh, got the hiccups and... I don't think I've had the hiccups since I was 12. I was, I was, do I need to scare you or something to make those go away or something? I'm going to have to drink upside down. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Um, 1995. 1995 was the year. Your buddy Chipper Jones won his ring. Yep. Yep. Five against years the, uh, after y'all were drafted. Right. Against the Cleveland Indians was the year that they won the uh, World Series. The one I watched yesterday was the 1996 against the Yankees, and it was because it was Greg Maddox's birthday. And Maddox was just carving up the Yankees during that game. And the thing that was so funny to me, Chip, is now, like, we've been talking a lot about revising history and and looking at different games. We've been covering the Longhorns games. We've had Quan Cosby on from the national championship and, Mike Adams, and yesterday we had Eric Metcalf. But when you go back and you look at some of these games, you forget who those pitchers and those position players and who all was on each team. And and what year they won. Right, right. It's just it's so crazy. So it was good to see it, but like Donald Trump said, and we got to get to some live things, man. We got to get to something live. And speaking of live, the PGA Tournament, Chip, we're talking about playing on uh, in June with no fans. Come on, man! With no fans, and it's the Colonial, I believe, up in in Fort, Fort Worth. Worth. So, thoughts on golf with no fans? I mean, we do it all the time whenever we get a chance to play. We don't have very many fans out there cheering us on. Well, and these are professionals. That's the thing. I mean, with golf, they're always telling people to be quiet anyway. <laughs> right. So. Good point. If any sport right. should be able to make it without fans, it's that one. Right. 
What other sport has paddles that say quiet? Quiet, please. I like the paddle people when they're telling you where the ball is. That's my favorite. Like air traffic controllers. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. But, yeah, you're right. They put it it up and say, quiet, please. Yeah. (laughs) And guys are used to going out and practicing by themselves. So if any sport can make it without fans, it's that one. Well, and then we can truly hear what uh, Jordan Spieth is saying to himself. We can hear Bubba cussing out his caddy. We can hear the things that we normally would not be able to hear because they're not mic'd up. This might be a mic'd up round, too, to give fans some interaction, too. Oh, man. With that. So, how about Trump? The only two times I think he used the word great <laughs> were for Dana White and Vince McMahon. Right. Right. The great Dana White. <laughs> and probably Trump thinks he's great because he's been pushing it. Right. Great Dana White. PGA. PGA. <laughs> the great Dana White. Great Vince McMahon. Great but Dana White. Yeah, Dana's trying to put together a card now for May 9th. Right. After he got walked down from his his card from last weekend. Well, or this weekend. Sorry, this weekend. Right, it'll I be this weekend. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's April 55th, <laughs> so I'm struggling to remember what... Uh, Today would normally be tax day, Chip. Normally. Normally would be tax day, but now they've pushed it another month. So you don't have... You don't have to rush to get that turned in today, brother. Okay. Is your taxes done? No. No. See, mine are done. That's good. Look at you. I was, I was ready for the for the deadline. I was taking full advantage of the waiting moment. So that's what I'm doing. My accountant would beat my bleep <laughs> if I didn't get my stuff done. Right. Right. Salty? I spoke to my accountant last night at the dinner table. He's not ready to do them yet. <laughs> you spoke to your accountant? Who? Shipley? <laughs> Pops. I call him daddy. Oh. (laughs) I mean, you're 1040 EZ. You should be able to do that. I did my own taxes for years. He wants to do them. Why not let him? All right, fine. Why not let him? Well, you're daddy's daddy's girl. That's right. Princess. That's fine. Princess. I give him all the equipment he needs. Here's my W-2s. That's it? (laughs) W-2s? Or whatever. I don't know. Don't you just have one? Do you have multiple gigs we don't know about? No. <laughs> Here's my W-2. And you don't have write-offs. I copies just to, oh, yeah. just for fun. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing 1040 easy before I had, before, I don't even know. I got a mess on my hands. But before, when I just had one W-2, 1040 easy, I'd do my taxes in like 20 minutes. Right. Right? You can. Yeah, but but now you can't. That's why you got a CPA. Yeah. That's why he's doing everything. Now I got an LLC. I right. got this. I got that. Right. Oh yeah. No. Now it's. Now it's gold. Let's go. Uh, now that accountant Stack is worth every. <laughs> they're waiting gold. I'm like, help me. Just help me. Stack it up. Stack it up. That's the plan. You know what I mean? So Chip, we talked Texas at six fifteen and seven fifteen, and you had a chance, and your fans on horns twenty four seven. The people who are paying attention to what's going on. What do you think was the most outstanding thing that Herman said yesterday? What stood out to you? Well, I thought that when he came on our show here on the bottom line last Friday, I thought he did a great job of telling us what life is like coaching online. Right. So I pushed it more towards personnel 
more towards players right. and what he thinks of this position or that position. And so, I mean, he's definitely concerned about linebacker. Right. And I think he made that clear. I think he's excited about a number of players, especially on the – I mean, I think he's excited about the guys up front on defense. Right. And, and I think he feels good about the skill talent. And and then, you know, he he raised some interesting thoughts, I thought, about a guy like DeMarvin Overshawn. Right. You know, who hasn't had a lot of time on the field. Yet he's going to play one of the most critical positions in that defense, weak side linebacker. And speed-wise, he fits perfectly. Size-wise, he, he's his frame is nice, but like you said, he hasn't had much time on the field. We've been waiting for this because he is a guy that will pop you. He is a guy that can come downhill fast, but he also can get into coverage too. So that's going to be interesting to me. One of the things that I found – very intriguing was the fact of Jordan Whittington still having the soreness. I didn't like hearing that because at this point, as much time as we've had, I know you got to break up the scar tissue and that will continue to go. But that was like, he's still dealing with that right now? Right. It makes you wonder if he's ever really going to get back right. to 100. Right. It might be 80. Right. Right. And, and, and maybe 80 is good enough from Jordan Whittington to, be, to well, be elite. Right, but even then, okay, if he's not there, you still do have Jake Smith in that position who is healthy and who is electric still, but you're like, is this going to be something that is going to bother Jordan Whittington his entire career at Texas? You right. hope not. Right. You hope not. But, yeah, that stood out. I was like, what? Right. Still dealing with that? I'm right. Like, Ugh. right what are we missing? Right. What are we missing? I mean, because that's not a that's 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 not an easy area to rehab anyway. But how do you get to that point? How do you how do you get to get it back to the next point? All right. Well, uh, let's ask our man Tim Crowder. Yep, you know yep. what I mean? It's time for us to go break down his door on a you know six thirty on a Wednesday morning. Yep. Hey, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Super Bowl Fifty Two MVP tomorrow. Hello. You kidding me? Come on. It's the bottom line. All right, give us your go-to karaoke. At AM1300, The Zone, Facebook, and Twitter. Tom Herman gave you his yesterday on the uh, the video chat at Horns 24-7. His is uh, Bust a Move, Young MC. Let's go to the hotline. Talk to our man Tim Crowder, member of the 2005 National Championship team, played in the NFL. And TC, what is your go-to karaoke? Go-to karaoke, man. That's really not my thing. But uh, <laughs> uh, you, in East Texas, they're not just—they're not just no crowd no, in the karaoke no, bar. No, we don't do no karaoke over there. <laughs> from what I understand, but, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> freestyle king, baby, freestyle king. Yeah, we. Yeah, we Free, yeah, we did some freestyle. I was the guy that did the beatboxing on the y'all. I would make up the beats and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like the that. producer. That's what I'm, oh yeah, the producer. You were you were Dre. Yeah. You were Doctor Dre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, Dak Prescott says that he did not have a party of more than ten people 
TMZ reported he had some some big old bash at his house with uh, Ezekiel Elliott that would have uh, violated the coronavirus uh, guidelines. My man Harge is all over the place on Dak Prescott. The other day, Harge told me that he, he wanted Cam Newton over Dak Prescott. What do you think about that, TC? Man, uh, that you know what? That wouldn't be no. That wouldn't be a bad, a bad trade or whatever. Because Cam Newton is really, really good when he's healthy. And uh, but you know, Dak is pretty good too. You know, right. so it it's, it depends as far as the personality of what the coach is and you know what he what he likes. But like I say, it'll be a it'll be a good uh good substitution. I don't think it wouldn't be a drop off. You know, from the record, so. Yeah, as long as Cam still likes football, you know, I'm just not sure if he still wants it. What? Look, what, what? What? Before you get into that, because that that's a good point by Chip. But you've been in those locker rooms and you've been around people that people have kind of pushed to the side, and they come back. His mental makeup, and as far as he's an athlete, you see him as a competitor. And whenever competitors have their backs against the wall, they come out swinging, especially one that's that elite, right? Exactly. I'll tell you, so I was watching a video on Cam Newton the other day. And, you know, before before he got released and stuff like that, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't really have any, you know, he had his type of music and stuff. But so when he got released, when he released the video and he had that gospel music going on in the background, I said, oh, man, somebody's in trouble because, you know, he's, He's in that search mode right now. You know, he, he done got with the Lord and everything, so he's ready to go right now. Right, right. <laughs> I told him the same thing. I said, man, there's something different about this dude because he's been on top of the world. He's been the guy. He can do whatever he wants, and now he's been humbled by a release. A release is different than a trade. If you get released, that means nobody wants you. Exactly, exactly. And the thing about it, he still haven't got signed. So that's crazy. You know, that's that's really, really crazy. Yeah, you got to find the right price. Right, right. Got to find the right price. All right, so um, you and Brian Robison, when you all were bookends at uh, Texas, Mm -hmm. did you all go fishing together? No, we didn't really go fishing. We didn't really... We didn't have time to do too much back then. Uh, you know, that's why it's shocking me that he's a fisherman now because I don't never remember him being a fisherman back then. But I guess he must have found the hobby while he was playing in his, you know, at the pro level. But, you know, I see that he loved it. He got his little show going on, and, you know, that's his piece. Well, they got 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The land of the lakes, right? That's right. Cool. So he, he might have found it there. Yeah, maybe he probably, went, he probably went outside in his backyard and you know dropped the pole in the water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're talking to Tim Crowder. You can follow him at Nuclear Athletes. Tim, I saw yesterday that uh, Round Rock Parks and Recreation started putting you on their website um, so people can do in-home workouts. How how yeah. did y'all come up with that, and uh, how how was the response? Well, this was in the works. Uh, they they we uh, they contacted me a couple of weeks ago because I already have a great relationship with them, and that's where I do a lot of right. my training. That's my that's my home base is uh, training at their facilities. They just been so wonderful to me over the years, and 
you know, they asked me to do a uh, at-home exercise video. So, you know, that was me putting it together. And, you know, I saw my, I had to put my dog in there because I understand a lot of people is going to be dealing with dogs and their kids screaming in the background. Luckily, my kids was, you know, in the in the playroom watching funny videos. So that kind of caught their attention. But um but yeah, so it was it was good. It's been a good response so far and I'm just I just want to help people any way I can through this time and you know, since my since my background is exercise and after performance. You know, what better way to help people get through their workout and uh, get through their day than, you know, go let out some stress. You've been talking to uh, to any players, Joseph Asai, yes. anybody? How they doing? I mean, they, they like anybody else, they're trying to make it. You know, I've been – I've chatted with you, Yanson McKnight, in the, in the background. And, you know, the biggest thing is everybody's just like, man, we – I just hope they – it's like you kind of like hoping. you just like, I hope they're working out. You know, I hope these guys are running. I hope they're doing some type of lifting. You know, when we get back, we don't we don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in, what we're going to have to do. Are we going to have to take a month to get them in shape, two weeks? But, you know, it's like anything. You know, some people are working out hard. Some guys that are lazy, this is their time to be lazy. So they're going to be lazy. So it's, this is the first time a lot of these guys, these college players, are going to be treated like, like pro players. Because during the offseason, you work out on your own in the NFL, and then you go back to your teams like home. But coaches are going to know who's been working out and who hasn't. And that's going to let, let them know, like, okay, you really want to be great and you don't want to be great. It's obvious, by the way, you, you done gained 40 pounds. You know, so we about to we about to find out. Yeah, we're talking to Tim Crowder. Tim, I want to ask you this: We got about a minute left. Next week is the NFL draft. This is the week before the draft. How was your last week before the draft came up? Well, I was calm, you know, because I had, I had did everything that I could do. I was, you know, I did really really good in the senior bowl. I did really well at the combine. I did really well in my interviews. I was just at that point in time. I was just so happy that there was so many teams interested in me. I could care less because I understood there was a lot of guys that they just didn't have no idea. And you know, then I asked my agent to be real with me. That's the one thing. My agent, he was very honest, and you know, he was just like, "Well, you can go anywhere. It just depends on which which team like you. You know, you can go anywhere at the the bottom of the first or second. You know, so." It could be in that, in that range. So I said, okay, you don't see me sliding to no fourth and fifth. And he's like, no, no, that that'll never happen. <laughs> and he and he was true, you know. He he, you know what what he came out. So I expected to go where I went. So you know everything worked out for me. See, who was your is. agent? Who was your agent? Uh, at that time, it was a guy by the name of Ben Dagra. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he had, he was with the uh, what, what was the name of it? CAA. Yep. I think they're, they're a big agency out in Hollywood and all that, but it was him. He was kind of on the sports side, but, you know, it was him and uh, I forgot who the other guy, but the other guy had all the quarterbacks at the time. He had Peyton Manning and all those guys, the Manning brothers, and I can't think of it. Tom Condon? Tom, Tom Condon, yes, yep. Tom Condon. Yep. So, yeah, oh, those yeah. two guys were together. There he is, Tim Crowder, baby. Hey. Yeah. Nuclearathletes.com and now on the uh what is it? The park? Round Rock Park Re- Parks and Recreation page. Come on, yeah. man. You kidding me? Look at he's blowing up. My man. 
<laughs> he's like Sean T on uh, <laughs> on on Beachbody. Come all on, the, man. all the workouts. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just, just don't call me Billy Blanks. <laughs> no, 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 Tybo. All right, there he is, My the man. pride of East Texas, Tim Crowder, and the bottom line rolls on. Way back Wednesday, karaoke music. Tom Herman gave you his, so we're giving you ours. What's yours? Text us, tweet us, send it our way. AM1300 The Zone on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, we're having some fun today. Hard, you ready for some Do You Care, my man? Let's do this, man. All right, I'm going first. Come on. All right, Dak, man. It took a little... A little too long for my liking, but Dak says, hey, TMZ got it wrong. I did not have a party with more than 10 people. I had a party of 10 people or less. And uh, so here's here's his uh, statement. I understand and accept that there are additional responsibilities and media scrutiny that come with being an NFL quarterback. But it's very frustrating and disappointing when people provide completely inaccurate information from anonymous sources, especially now. To set the record straight, I know that we all need to, to do our best to socially distance. And like everyone else, I'm continuing to adjust to what that requires. But the truth is that I was with fewer than 10 people for a home dinner, not a party on Friday night. Do you care? How often does TMZ get it wrong? Right. How often does TMZ get it wrong? It and I like just, there was a lot of food in his right. house. Right. I mean, 10 people are going to eat all of that? Or is that going to be what we're going to have for the next few days? Or those, those are leftovers. We're we, we putting out the leftovers <laughs> right. in advance. Right. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Dak, good job coming out saying that. But people don't believe that, bro. Even your own GM president and his son – don't believe you. Stephen Jones went on radio yesterday talking about him in that. I mean, in uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And that is where you lose kind of the credibility because you got Zeke, the Ewok with you, who is always zombie eye tattoo, always in trouble. Salty, what did you say yesterday about your friend? If your friend is Ezekiel Elliott, you probably need to find a new friend mm-hmm. because he does not have a good track record, Chip. So, I understand and I appreciate that, Dak, for you finally coming. Like you said, why did it take you so long? He had to formulate his statement. I had to come up with something good. I'm being sensitive. Come on, Dak. I had to contact all 30 people (laughs) who were at my house to say, don't say anything. And, And to Salty's point and to what we've talked about with Derek Jeter, you need to sign a NDA. You got to come into my house and you got to drop your phone in a basket. You can't do that. We can't be videoing, especially at this time. Remember so. Matt Leinert in the yeah, hot tub? Right. Man, make people put their phones in the basket. Right. You can't come in here. You can't be dragging that thing around. Not at all. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Dackle. But nah, bruh. Chip, some sad news yesterday came out. Cincinnati announced that they are ending their men's soccer program. Now, people are like, ah, it's soccer. It's men's soccer. Where is that having that? But this could be something that continues to trend in that direction. We've alluded to it. You've talked about it. And you even tweeted out yesterday 
The sad thing is we may hear more stories about this. Do you care? Yeah, this is um, especially for the group of five, you know, the non-Power 5 schools that have a huge uh, advantage in terms of television revenue. Yep, yep. For, the, for the group of five schools like Cincinnati and the American Athletic Conference, they're very concerned. Because this, Which also SMU is in. Right? Yep. I mean, look, that NCAA tournament, uh, basketball tournament cancellation, that stuff hurts. And and it costs between 500000 and 800000 to field men's soccer. Between salaries and travel and everything else. So, you're going to see men's sports getting canceled eliminated right if we can't get some assurance that football is going to be happening and and I think again I've said it I've said it from the beginning they are going to do everything they can whether they have to kick off in January February they're going to play football the 2020 season could be played in 2021 you could have two seasons in 2021 and just get your head around it cuz right. that, that money has to come in Otherwise, we're going to see massive cuts. You could see everything cut from an athletic department budget except for the you know the women's equivalency sports to right. football. Right. Whatever the women's sports you choose that total 85 scholarships, that's what we may be down to with maybe the exception of men's and women's basketball and baseball. But even in the smaller, in the group of five, right? they don't make money off of baseball. Right. Texas does, but not not, not most of, schools. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a real, really scary time. Hence the reason why Donald Trump is meeting with everyone, because he's saying, we've got to get this economy back. Or if not, this is like the Great Depression. And we're supposed to have... Unemployment numbers skyrocket. That comes out tomorrow. Yeah, this is this is bad. Yep, it's time to uh, to get uh, moving in the right direction. And you look at, I mean, just take like men's swimming at Texas. Right. Fourteen national championships, forty-one straight conference titles. At a group of five school, men's swimming would be on the block to be cut. So it's uh it's a concern. Harch. Yeah, man. Um MLB is going to get into uh the testing for coronavirus because they're looking at Taiwan and South Korea and wondering, could we do this in Arizona? Do you right. care? Yeah, I do care. And and the thing about it is they're going to run tests. There's gonna be massive testing that will be set up for ten thousand people. For coronavirus antibodies. So Major League Baseball is going to be a part of that. And this is going to be run by Stanford University, USC, and the Sports Medicine Research and Testing Laboratory. They will draw the blood. They will run everything through it to find out, is this thing spreading? Is, is it able to be contained? And if there is an antibody that can kind of stave off this whole deal, then baseball is trying to find a way. Arizona, the governor has come out and said, yes, we do want all 30 teams to be in Arizona, obviously for selfish reasons. 
we want to make it to where everybody can be able to get two games. I was telling you yesterday, Chip, Arizona, because of the way they have their, their, their spring training sites set up, it's a pretty easy drive to get there so players will be able to drive themselves to, game, to games to even self-contain all this stuff. So, look, whatever it takes, obviously the health is the most important thing in the United States and all over the world. But like you just said about these other sports, if we can get some sports going, this will help help everyone else get involved and get on that train too. Yeah, man. Sports always leads us out of uh, despair. Right. That's what sports does. It knows no boundaries. It knows no – it does not – it transcends race, religion. Right. All the – all the divisive issues in this. Uh, and it always has good arguments during it, too. Come on, man. Yeah. Debate. And the Braves won the World Series in 95. 95. 95. Yep. All right. 7 o'clock hour. Loaded. And Nick Foles. Come on. Nick Foles tomorrow. It's the bottom line, baby. Life happens for those that show up, and we're glad you showed up with us on a way back Wednesday. The bottom line brought to you by Coors Light. On AM 1300, The Zone. My man, C. Breezy, Chip Brown. What's up? Shannon B. Sweeney, behind the glass. And it's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. And Chip, you know, today, our question for the day is, what's your go-to karaoke song? And yesterday, we found out during your interview with Tom Herman that his karaoke song was Bust a Move by Young MC. Young MC. And I was like, wait, what? How's, How's that your song? And then he even described it to you where he's trying to get crowd participation. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, he was doing everything he could possibly do. So our question on AM 1300, The Zone, uh, on Twitter and Facebook, go over there and, and, and list it. Mine is Salty's already played it. She Don't touch this. You can't touch this by uh, MC Hammer. That's one of mine. And Don't Take the Girl. Don't Take the Girl by Tim McGraw. Oh, look at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I break out country every once in a while. And yours is? I'm expanding my repertoire. Okay. Oh, it always used to be Garth Brooks, uh, Friends, Low Places. You actually did that at one of our happy hours that we did at Common Interest. That's right. That's right. Yep, yep. Um, Sweet Caroline has always been a go-to, but I'm trying to expand. You're more of a crowd participation type guy, too. Yeah, those songs are crowd participation songs, man. Well, our man Lee, Lee B, here. Yep, yep, yep. One of the sales reps. He did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm I'm studying that now. And that's like the longest song ever. Oh yeah, but it's everybody knows. That's the words. like wind beneath my wings. Oh, long. but it's better than that. <laughs> oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> Who was that? Detroit. Uh, Detroit Mark. Detroit Mark. Yeah, yeah. Don't Bur- ever listen to that one again. Buried you with <laughs> wind beneath my wings. Well, you agreed to it. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> Little did I know that you singing that song would be as long be as punishment the, for the both of you would be as long as the month of April. Hey, I'm just letting y'all know. I'm just letting y'all know that song lasted 97 days. <laughs> we will forever have that moment. Oh, oh, my Lord. <laughs> delete, delete, oh, delete, delete, delete. And then the other is uh, The Killers, Mr. Brightside. Okay. I'm working on that one, too. All right. Salty? Sharpen it up. Sharpen up my game. I'm a big fan of NSYNC tearing up my heart. 
Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, imagine that. It's got great dance Salty moves. Salty is all about in sync and our man, Justin Timberlake. Anything 90s or even Disney songs. Okay, you're watching Ozark, correct? Yes, I'm about midway through season three. And do you not look at Ruth <laughs> and see Justin Timberlake half the time? <laughs> no. No? And, and matter of fact, that. isn't he from Tennessee? He's from Memphis, right? Oh, he's from Memphis, yeah. Yeah, he's from Memphis. Oh, he's from Memphis. And she's got almost a Tennessee twang to her as well. I think they're brother and sister. <laughs> okay. I think they're twins, actually. What do you say? Salty. It's definitely I'm sorry. NSYNC. I didn't mean to bum you out. It is definitely in sync, Justin Timberlake. And Ruth. They're and in Ruth. sync. They're in sync. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. But I agree with you, Harge. Ruth is my favorite character on I that show. I told you. I told you. She's the best. She continues to grow on you. Each episode, there's more and more that make you say, All right, Ruth, I got you. And I got you. She's as salty as salty. She is gank. Stop. I was terrified of her in the first season. <laughs> you should, hey, continue to be I was terrified. terrified of her. I was terrified of her. Oh, you yes. thought she was going to come through your screen and grab you? She just was scary. Like <laughs> she's the leader of that family? Right, right. And then you the Langmore in that family? Yeah. The Langmore. Right, right. We're talking about Ozark if if you're if you're in need of something to watch, right. folks, Ozark, for sure, it's a boom. It grabs you. You will know in episode <laughs> one, like True Detective. I'm almost done with True Detective season one. It it draws out, right? Right, draws out, draws out, draws out. Not Ozark. Ozark, no. you know in episode one, baby, what's going on? Yeah, they they don't mess around. They don't mess around. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow, that was great. Ruth, Ruth, I told you, she would become your favorite character. Oh, yeah. She would you become called that. She would become it. You called that. Yeah. Um, Harge, we, uh, did you find the Clay Travis, Peter King showdown? Uh, maybe in the next segment we'll play some of this, but uh, Clay Travis was getting criticized by Peter King over his takes on the coronavirus and Clay's been very positive and trying to point out numbers that show that things are trending towards life moving towards normal or getting back instead to of the doom and gloom that we've been hearing all the time and peter king wrote about clay in his column saying this is you know you're making light of the coronavirus so they so peter king went on the radio with clay travis and it was uh it it was it was confrontational. Right. And um, so we might uh, play a little bit of that coming up in the next segment. But, um, Harge, the, there was a chilling, in addition to the, the uh, Tom Herman video chat that I did yesterday uh, and the fun that ensued from that. And, again, thanks to Tom Herman for doing it. Yeah. He's been very he's, – he's making himself available in this time and – it's much appreciated. I think fans are getting to see him in in a different light. They're getting sure. to know him a little bit better for sure. away from football. And and so thanks to Tom Herman for that. You can check it out at uh, Horns 24-7. Check it out on YouTube. And you Just, can also check it out on our, our uh, bottom line page as well. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Salty. Yep. Uh, at am1300thezone.com. But 
the story yesterday that grabbed me was Cincinnati. Yeah. C- Cincinnati cutting men's soccer. Um, expected to save five hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars, and we are going to see cuts. Once one school does it, you're going to see others follow, because look, any chance that schools get to tighten the budget, this is their opportunity. Right. If you cut a sport in in a vacuum. Other schools are going to use it against you. They're going to say, you don't want to go there. They just cut soccer. They're going backwards. They're hurting. Right. But other schools are going to do this, too, because of the you know, the belt tightening that's occurring just from the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. Getting uh, canceled and the revenue from that, because that does touch a lot of schools that are outside the Power Five. There are a lot of schools that benefit from, from the NCAA men's basketball tournament and and the women's tournament but the money for the NCAA comes in from the men's NCAA tournament right and the fact that Cincinnati cut sports you're going to see more and I wouldn't be surprised if you see it pretty quickly by the end of this week you're going to see other especially group of five schools making cuts to their men's athletic programs you're not going to see women's sports cut if you do that is frightening right because Inevitably, you could just end up with football and the equivalent of scholarships in women's sports. You know, women's golf is, oh, I need to look at my chart, but is like seven scholarships and tennis right. is like seven and softball's like 18 or 20. Whatever sports equal 85 is what you would see. Right. In a worst case scenario, if we get into the cost cutting as a result of the coronavirus. Mm. So um, just keep an eye on that. We've said that this could happen and it's starting to happen. And that's that's the sad part. Sad, about this all. sad. Yep. You know, college athletics is a great opportunity for for the student athlete. And um, we'll uh, we'll get into that. And, um, you know, Nick Foles tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it is the bottom line, baby. A little over a year ago, Salty and I went to Big D Dallas to see Justin Timberlake. As Sean Adams used to say, baddest white boy on the planet. And he proved it. So, Got some skills, man. Even though he looks like Ruth from uh, Ozone. (laughs) All right, so we we mentioned in the last segment that uh, Clay Travis had Peter King on his radio show yesterday. Peter King has been critical of Clay Travis's coverage of the coronavirus. And And we need to say Peter King is one of the most well-known NFL NFL reporters. reporters, uh, His Monday morning quarterback column is um, widely, widely read. He's got got millions of followers. Yep, and Clay Travis comes on right before us every morning right here on AM 1300 The Zone. So here is – Here's a couple minutes of that uh, that interview Clay Travis had Peter King on his radio show yesterday. Peter, why do you not like me? Uh, I don't really know you. Okay. Why do you I dislike like... the things that you have seen that I have said? Yeah, I mean, you know, talking about the current uh, state of this country, 
um, time after time, day after day, you minimize uh, the coronavirus. You know, you did it for months, uh, or, or I should say you did it for weeks at least. I mean, at one point in the last couple of weeks, I went back and read your Twitter timeline, and it lasted for a long time. I mean, a month ago yesterday, you said, and I quote, there's lots of fear porn out there trying to scare you, especially on social media. But we are going to be fine, and we are kicking the coronavirus's ass. Enjoy your Friday nights. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get basically telling everybody the coronavirus is no problem. Go out and live your normal life. Well, first of all, when you're quoting that, there was no stay-at-home order, right? So one thing is, and you know this, I mean, going back, I could go back and, and pull clips from Dr. Fauci going on at many different shows, and I could do the same thing for Mayor Bill de Blasio. I could do the same thing for uh, Andrew Cuomo. I could do the same thing for Nancy Pelosi. I could do the same thing for Donald Trump. Politicians across the political spectrum – adjust their opinions of the coronavirus based on the current data that is in front of them right now. And the current data that is in front of us right now is the coronavirus, based on the IHME model, is less likely to kill uh, as many people as died from the flu two years ago, right? So I am concerned, and I think there are a lot of people out there listening right now who are concerned, that we have to make sure that our response to the coronavirus doesn't also simultaneously destroy the economy. There are 17 yeah, million people that. out and there who have, who have lost jobs. I, I totally agree, and it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. And I'm eminently empathetic with all the people who have lost their jobs. But I'm sorry, at some point in the history of the country, I mean, I live in Brooklyn, New York. Uh -huh. Okay, The other day, my wife and I walked our dog past the Brooklyn Hospital Center. In, you know, hospitals all over New York, all over Brooklyn, have these refrigerated semi-trailers where, I don't know how often during the day, but, you, you know, we've seen it on the news quite often. Forklifts will pick up bodies from inside, from like a hospital gurney, and they don't want to touch the body. They don't even want to touch the body bag. And they put them in these refrigerated semi-trailers because for the time being, funeral homes in new york are just simply overrun and they can't bury people fast enough uh and so the 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 reason why there has been some success and the numbers are not absolutely skyrocketing is because cities like san francisco cities like new york uh, you know i'm sure we're going to hear stories of other cities that have taken this seriously if they didn't take it seriously if everybody just blithely said, ah, you know, we're going to get over it, it's the same as the flu or, or whatever, uh, you know, there would be a gigantic death toll. As it is, there's still, whatever, 23,000 dead, and I'm sure that number is going to continue to climb. Okay, so we're talking to Peter King. The initial reports that came out, uh, you were upset because I said, based on looking at China's numbers and also looking at the numbers from South Korea from Singapore, from Japan, and also from Hong Kong that I did not expect for this total to be very substantial, right? China lied, right, clearly. And many people in Europe uh, who are leaders across the political spectrum, whether it's a conservative like Boris uh, Johnson or it's a liberal like uh, Angela Merkel in Germany, 
a lot of people across the political spectrum believed China and the World Health Organization, including me, including many other people out there. I predicted that thousands would die. Thousands are going to die, but I predicted that it would be in the low thousands. And now it's going to be around, we'll see, 60,000, 50,000 seems to be the expectation right now. As you said, 23,000 people have died already. Do you agree that China lied and that China's lies influenced many people across the political spectrum in the way that they chose to respond in both Europe and the United States? I don't know enough about it to make a, to make a, uh, you know, an educated answer. Okay, well, let me just, just I understand, and I totally understand that, but you are ripping me for my predictions, and I'm telling you that all of the intelligence agencies out there are saying China lied. Washington Post, New York Times, probably organizations that you trust eminently are saying that tens of thousands of people actually died in China. And so those numbers that I gave out uh, early on back in March before we knew that China lied have been inaccurate in many ways because of China's lies. Now, similarly, I'm sure you saw this, the, uh, the, uh, the, the group, the Imperial College in London they forecast that 2.2 million people were going to die uh, if we didn't do anything, right? Over 500,000 in England. I'm sure you saw that report, right? Yes, and I think that's, I think it's absolutely true. Okay, so if you think that's true, then wouldn't you have to give credit to Donald Trump, a man you called the most dangerous person in your lifetime, for potentially, if you believe 2.2 million people would have died if we had done nothing, and we're going to end up, according to the IHME model, at around 60,000, wouldn't you have to give credit to Donald Trump, along with the governors and mayors in this country, for saving millions of lives based on their response to the coronavirus? Saving millions of lives. Um, I mean, you know, I believe that there is a lot of credence in the New York Times report on Sunday that he was far too late. Okay, I understand the timing. Look, we can argue, and look, this is the perfect Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Because certainly right. when and, you... And Clay, one other, one other quick thing. I'm at NBC now. I don't do Monday morning quarterback anymore. The column is football morning in America for I, the I, last two years. I apologize. Football morning in America. So, But if you believe that the forecast from the Imperial College of 2.2 million people could have died from the coronavirus and we're going to end up with 60,000, which is the most recent forecast from the IHME model, University of Washington, which is being cited by the White House, the difference between 2.2 million and 60,000 is massive, right? Millions of lives, uh, and I'm not great at math, but I believe that would be over 2.1 million lives would have been saved by the way we responded in the United States. How do you not give... Your question question basically is, I should give credit to Donald Trump for saving all these lives. And, and, the, and the governors and the mayors right, who have yeah. all worked together. Yeah, all right, so there you have it. Uh, Clay, Travis, and Peter King going at it over the coronavirus. Um, if, if you were wondering what that was all about, there is uh, – that that was that's what happened yesterday on Clay Travis's show. We'll come back. We'll get uh, a hard knocks life, baby. Um, it's the bottom line. Oh yeah, this is one of Harge's go tos. Oh yeah, never heard this song. Really? Tim McGraw. Yep. Not really. You like him because he's Tug McGraw's son? <laughs> no, because I like I really like this song right here. 
Wow, this is a slow, drawn out. People really listen to your voice in a song like this. Take Jimmy Johnson, take Tommy Thompson, take my best friend Bo. Wow. Where are you? This is the Hard Knocks life. So we're we're getting some Hard Knocks karaoke right here. As long as she doesn't go, take any boy in the world. This is better than your Trigger Grill song. Has Dan Patrick called you yet? Not yet. Don't take the girl, man. Don't take her. All right. Well, (laughs) don't take the girl, but take it away for the Hard Knocks life. My favorite part about all of this and throughout our time together here on the bottom line is when Salty finds out something new, like music. She's like, I've never heard this song before. And this was, I believe it was a number one hit at one point. I've never seen Tim McGraw with that mustache he has yeah yeah he was a little different back then he was billy ray cyrus's he was kind of like him but chip you know we've been talking a lot about the 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 lack of sports and what's going on in the world and how do we make the world better and what can we do well for me little kid from colleen texas born on fort hood uh when i was growing up there wasn't there wasn't a lot of people playing the sport of baseball. When I say a lot of people, I'm talking about a lot of people like me. There wasn't a lot of people like me in Colleen, Texas. Every team that I was always on, I was considered the only black player on that team. Not considered, I was. So as a kid growing up that would love the game of baseball so much, um, my inspiration came from guys like Ricky Henderson, uh, Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonds, Willie Mays Hayes. But the person who got the ball rolling for all of us was Jackie Robinson. And today, on April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson took the field for the Brooklyn Dodgers and be breaking the major league's color barrier. It was longstanding. He went 0 for 3 in that game. But in the seventh inning, he he scored the game-winning run. And he went on to win Rookie of the Year in 1947. Now, people are like, man, it's a long time ago. Well, think about that. It really is not that long ago. And we still – he went – I watched the movie Jackie Robinson. Um, it was – it took you behind the scenes of some of the things. I've seen the documentary. Jackie Robinson was an unbelievable athlete. Went to UCLA. Uh, He was even stationed at Fort Hood. Fort Hood was actually where he got court-martialed. But Jackie Robinson set the tone for all of us to be able to play. And when I say that, I mean African-Americans. And I I also say that because I had a lot of friends as I was growing up. Obviously, I was the only black kid on the baseball team, so I was hanging out with a bunch of white kids. So they got to be around me in certain situations when we would go play out of town or different places where – I'm the only one there. And it was tough. It was tough. I, did, I didn't get to hear all the terrible things that Jackie Robinson went through or even some of the players that uh, came before him that were playing in the Negro Leagues and going to play in different cities and playing against different players. And for him to be able to walk out there and be able to do that on April 15th, it, it reminds me of the fact of what we just went through the other day. Kyle Larson went out and said 
a racist term. He lost his sponsorships. He lost. He got fired from his racing team. He is now a free agent because he made a mistake. Now, people can say, well, he just said that. He didn't think he was talking to people. You and I had a conversation off air, and we were saying that's part of his conversation every day because you don't just randomly say that on an e-racing game out of the blue that you know that you're on TV for, thinking that I'm in a private room. There's nothing private about that, man. That's that's the ignorance of that word. And people can say, well, you hear it in rap songs, you hear it in by black people and blah, blah, blah. You don't say it. You don't say it and you don't think you can get away with saying it and not have to deal with the repercussions. Taking you back, Jackie Robinson had to deal with that every single day. He thought it was his name for a long time because of the fact of the way that people were talking to him. And now we're at the point in life where we would think that after 1947, when all of this stuff started to change, now all of a sudden we can still think that we can freely use that word and not have repercussions. This is 2020, man. I mean, we had a civil rights movement in this country. Right. Europe didn't. The racism in Europe is worse. Right. And and it's, I mean, you talk to some of the, the black soccer players, even in the Premier League, and the racism that they still hear in Europe, it's confounding. But, Harge, I always think about how Branch Rickey, who was the owner of the Dodgers, who basically chose Jackie Robinson. Right. And said, this guy can can do it. This guy can handle all the the heat and break this barrier for us. Right. And and it was tough. It, it was tough, but I mean the dignity in the class that Jackie Robinson showed in in the face of the hatred because he had teammates who didn't want to play with him. Right. And Branch Rickey and uh, Leo DeRocher yeah. said, okay, then you're going to be traded because you're playing. we're playing. And some people were fine he's with playing. that. And some people were fine. Trade me. I don't want to be a part of this. But it just, to me, in this day and age, for everything that's going on, you look back at how strong this person had to be. Jackie Robinson, as you said, Branch Rickey picked him because he felt there were better players than Jackie Robinson. But Jackie had the mental makeup. And that, some of that might have been military. Yeah. Some of that might have been the military part for him. Some of that could have been where he's from. He was from L.A. I mean, he grew up and he went to UCLA where he was unbelievable. He was very intelligent. And his family uh, had to endure so much crap. And they stood there in the face of it and continued to fight. And there were plenty of times, plenty of times. And if you've never seen the Jackie Robinson story, the movie 42. Make sure you take the time. You got plenty of time to watch stuff. Look at what this man went through. And for the players that are able to get those rich contracts nowadays, to be able to go out and provide for their family and entertain and be flashy and and do whatever. I'm proud. I'm proud that I was a part of that. I'm proud that I got the chance to be able to play and got drafted out of high school and be able to walk on the field. And some of my friends that I played with, they wore the number 42 
because of Jackie Robinson. And now today would have been a day that every player in the major leagues would have wore the number 42 on the back of their uniforms because of Jackie Robinson. It is his day, and it's sad that we do not have baseball, and that's why I needed to make sure that I brought that to everyone's attention. But because because of the color barrier being broken, there are people that are able to go out and play baseball. I can go into the stands and sit in the stands as a fan and not have to sit in a certain section. I can sit behind home plate. I can sit behind the dugouts. I can sit in left field bar area for if I wanted to, but I don't have to be segregated to the point that I have to sit in a certain section. So thank you, Jackie Robinson, for what you did, for giving us, all African-Americans, a chance to have a seat at the table. And so that is why I needed to make sure we talked about that today. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a powerful story. It's, a, it's an unbelievable story because, I mean, Jackie Robinson understood what was happening. And, and much like Martin Luther King, just right. walked in the face of it. And they said, walked together. Right, and said, hey, this is bigger than me. Right. I'm doing this for everyone else. Right, right. Uh, good stuff, good stuff from my man Harge, even tying in the uh, Fort Hood connection. Yeah, baby. I want you to Donna. get your I want to, I want you to get your hard facts together on that court <laughs> court martial. We'll we'll follow up on that. Uh, it is the bottom line on a way back Wednesday. All right, good stuff from my man Harge. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, Jackie Robinson was indeed court martialed at Fort Hood. Yep, yep. For sitting next to a woman who the bus driver on his bus from the Black Officers Club uh, to a hospital on, on Fort Hood. Uh, the bus driver believed the woman was white uh, and ordered him to move to the back of the bus. He yep. <clears throat> said no, and it led to a bunch of BS circumstances that resulted in Jackie Robinson. And this was before Rosa Parks Yep, that he refused to move to the back of the bus. Uh, and the woman he was sitting next to was a light-skinned African-American woman. And this whole thing was blown up over wrong uh, premise. Right. So, uh, good stuff, Harch. Good stuff. Thank you, bro. little history lesson there on a part of Jackie Robinson that I had. I wrote a paper about him in college and did not uh, know the court-martial story at Fort Hood. Yep. So there well, you, go. you probably didn't realize either. That you'd be working with someone from Port Hood, from, Darnell. From the 254. <laughs> from Darnell, baby. You kidding me? Yeah. Yep. You were born on Fort Hood. I was born at the Army Hospital, Darnell Army Hospital, and that's probably where he was headed. Yeah. Yep. Look at that. Yep, yep. All right, as we get into what's trending, you also mentioned in the Hard Knocks Life that Kyle Larson uh, has been fired. He's no, he's no longer suspended indefinitely. He's fired. Right. He is no longer with his racing team. They have fired him. As well as as well as he lost all his sponsors, so yeah, be careful, man. Be careful, and and again, this goes back to the Mike Leach situation. Be careful of what you're putting out there at insensitive times. Number one, it's wrong, and number two, there's nothing else going on, folks. So anything you do, 
is going to be magnified and you are the center of attention. So people are going to start digging and continuing to dig and continuing to dig. So he could have been the nicest guy on earth outside of what his thoughts are all the time. So be careful. Be careful. Yeah, Kyle Larson, um, who is seen as one of the rising star drivers in NASCAR, is he's out of race car driving. I, I doubt anyone's going to not right now come to pick him up. Not right now. So, uh, and Dak Prescott says, hey, that party? Nothing to see here. <laughs> it wasn't 30 people. It was 10 or less. Right. It took a minute yeah. for him to respond, didn't it? Well, you know. This guy paced himself, dude. He got, okay, well, how can we make this sound better than what it really was? Because here's the deal. If it was less than 10 people, how many cars you have in your driveway, Dak, that people called about you having a party? Mm, mm, mm. And you already know your neighbors are trying to get back to work, Dak. You're being insensitive to the situation. And you're in a contract dispute, bro. Oh, Franchise. Right. Wait, wait. Franchise. Wait till that contract is signed. In the Salty's Point. You're hanging out with Ezekiel and Elliott. Right. <laughs> zombie eyes. The zombie eye tattoo. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so he, Stephen Jones, Stephen Jones, who says the word, I love Stephen. Love Stephen. Right. Great guy. Uh, covered him when I was covering the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. He says the word certainly more than any human being I know. He certainly doesn't say it that much, does he? I mean, I'm just reading through this quote that he had on maybe we maybe Salty can find it. He was on 1053 the fan, Stephen Jones. And he says the word certainly. I'll I'll read it unless Salty thinks she can find it. But he said this is Stephen Jones, quote, I think they're certainly aware now of how sensitive these situations are. I don't think you'll be seeing that anymore. There's certainly guys we have the utmost respect for, and I certainly know they understand the sensitivity of the situation we're in today. It's certainly very serious and something that we know and certainly know they understand, end quote. <laughs> certainly. So, certainly. <laughs> so Stephen Jones made a call, or the Jones family made a call, to Dak and Zeke. Hey, guys. Uh, I need you guys. Why don't you sign the contract? <laughs> and then you can get in trouble for a party. Right. That's really worth something. Right. Come I mean, on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. I think you're starting to you're starting to waver on Dak. No, I mean, again, I told you. I think he deserves the money. I think he he's going to be the Dallas Cowboy quarterback. But if the Cowboys aren't seeing eye to eye with Dak or I just think like you said yesterday. They're trying to pay him, 2. but his 7, agent. Two point, of course. Todd France is the one holding this thing up because he's he wants to t show all the other quarterbacks out there, you need to sign with me. But here's the thing. It's about me. We just talked about Christian McCaffrey and Eric Metcalf yesterday, right? We compared the two. Yes. The money is going to go up. Christian McCaffrey just set the market for those types so of players. So what's your advice? I, I think they need to go ahead and get him to sign the contract at like $35 million because it's going to change next week, basically. 
whenever Casey decides that they're going to sign uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to make almost $40 million, $45 million. Dak is going to be like Matthew Stafford's deal. Where Matthew Stafford got his deal and people were losing their mind, he hadn't won anything, Chip. The same thing you say about Dak, Matthew Stafford got that money, became the highest paid, and now he's on the lower rung of the money. So go ahead and give him what you think he wants to sign for because it's going to flip. You're going to get more money once the TV contracts are Yeah, but the Cowboys have been fair. And I think the Cowboys are to the point now where, hey, you want to play this game? You can you can play under the franchise tag this year. Right. Oh, you, well, he's you going saw, to. You saw what we did with your buddy Dez, right? But you jumped to franchise the Franchise tag, the franchise tag. Holla. But a running back does not deserve that much money. I think Zeke is one of the best running backs in the league, too. And I think your number of the top three was outstanding. But that they're not used near as much as the quarterback. No, I get it. But that's water under the bridge. They paid Elliott for better or worse. Then, then that is why I'm saying. But they've saying. made a fair offer to Dak. They've made a fair offer to Dak. Let me ask you this. With and Zeke, to me, Dak needs to step in front of Todd France and say, hey, Todd. At the end of the day, he can. And he should. But he has not. Right. Because there's really no rush. He doesn't have to sign this thing until and that's July what Todd, 15th. And that's what Todd France is saying. Right. Let's see who else gets a deal. Right. Deals are going out. They're going out. And so we're going to have this debate, and we're going to Kirk deal Cousins with just got another deal. And do would you rather have Dak or Kirk Cousins? Oh, Dak. That's what I'm saying. So that that's that's how this Anybody is playing out. Anybody but Kirk Cousins. <laughs> this is how this is playing out, and that is the frustrating part about this all is when you're looking at this negotiation. And here's a perfect well, example. You, I went. One of my good friends was is Marquise Goodwin. I mean Marquise Goodwin, Marquise Grissom. He was one of the best players for Montreal during that time when they were making their runs. He went into arbitration, and they told him how bad he was. And that is where everything is. So if I'm going into that type of situation, then I'm going to work my butt off to make sure I get as much as I possibly can at that dollar amount. And if Dak is holding out and getting that opportunity to make that money, because who's to say that he's going to get that opportunity to get that money again? Oh, I, I hear you. And so I'm doing but everything But the money that they've offered is fair. And if I'm Dak and it's I've only fair, made but it's not the and best. I've only made 2.7 million. I know, only, right? Right, right, right. Everyone out there is like, "Are you kidding me? 2.7 million? It's but a not life for football. changer." But so, not for football. But if you've only made 2.7 million and you're you got an offer on the table of 100 million guaranteed? Right. I oh, get it. I'm, my lord. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you. But what he's looking at is the market. Right. And Just, he doesn't have to sign it now, so we'll wait. You we talked wait. To, you talked wait. yesterday about I'm buying the same stock every time. I'm not going out here. That's what Dak is looking at. I am the stock and I'm going to try to get as much in this stock as I possibly can. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing. Hey. Try to get that money, man. How many games in the fourth quarter last uh, year? You gonna probably put eight, ah. you gonna probably put sixteen on it. <laughs> Come on, it keeps going up for you. All right, uh, eight o'clock hour loaded. We've got uh, we got Nick Foles on the show tomorrow. You kidding me? Come on, it's uh, the bottom line of way back Wednesday. If you got to be somewhere at eight, hopefully it's your kitchen.
You better hustle. Bottom line. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us on a way back Wednesday karaoke tunes. Give us yours at AM1300 The Zone, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I hope you'll take a second right now, though, to become an organ donor. Sign up to give the gift of life at DonateLifeTexas.org. So Tom Herman gave us his karaoke song yesterday on a on a chat that I did with him for uh, Horns 24-7. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. But, Harge, we picked out a couple things from the conversation, yeah. including um, his response to a question about how Jordan Whittington is doing. Yeah. it was. Uh, we asked the question, you were asked, someone asked the question about the player's depth or what room or what about these players. And I thought when he talked about Jordan Whittington, it kind of threw me off because – this is a guy that's had, what is it, two surgeries now since he's been at the University of Texas. He, he had, had one, in, one high in high school. So he's had three surgeries, and he's played one collegiate game, basically. And he's still dealing with the stuff? From what you saw in conditioning, is Jordan Whittington fully healed from his sports hernia surgeries and ready to go? Uh, and given his cross-training at running back and now receiver, uh, how can you use him to gain a schematic advantage? Yeah, I, I, I do think he will be ready to go. Uh, you know, if, if we were to play a game tomorrow, he would play. Um, he's still got a little soreness, some scar tissue down there. I mean, two different surgeries um, in your pelvic region is not <laughs> ideal. Um, but but he's, he's on the mend and, and was full speed, full clearance on, on, on the – winter conditioning drills. So we're, we're excited to see him back and, and healthy. Um, and then I think the cross training really allows you to maybe be in some 10 personnel if you, if you consider him a wide receiver. So him and Jake kind of both in the slot, but maybe the, the next snap, Jay Witt's in the backfield and, and you're in a, um, a 20 personnel set. But with four wide receivers on the field, if you, you know, depending on what you classify Jay Witt as. And so, um, you know, when, when we started this offense way back at, at Rice, you know, and then, and then evolved at, at Iowa state, and then certainly learned a lot at Ohio state, you know, the H the, the whole reason it's that the letter is there, you know, there's X, Y, and Z obviously, which is traditional football for the last hundred years but the H stood for hybrid and we wanted a guy at that position um, that, that could do both that could line up in the backfield and take handoffs and block and catch passes out of the backfield, but also split out into the slot and, and run routes um, and, and do things out there. So um, those two guys, Jake Smith and Jordan Winnington, when you look at their high school experience, uh, you know, Jake Smith, obviously, with, with him having played actual running back uh, and then Jay Witt playing kind of a wildcat quarterback as well as then his first year here being trained as a, as a running back, we're finally getting to 
kind of what we a prototype of that position. We, we've had to adapt, right? To get to get our best eleven on the field, it was um, you know what Armani Foreman and and some other guys at at age our first year, and then obviously L.J. Humphrey the second year, which was a completely different model of of what you know we we had looked for in a, in a slot receiver, and then. Duve last year was 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 different. We we did line him up in the backfield a little bit, and you know he he carried the ball a few times. I think he scored a touchdown on the ground against West Virginia. So, um, but these two guys are are probably the most prototypical hybrid guys that that we have had since we've been at Texas because of their background uh, in the backfield. All right, so that was a question a lot of people are wondering, Texas fans, about uh, how do you get Whittington and Jake Smith on the field together. There you go. And then my man Hardball Hearts fired in a question. You mean Bill? Oh, yeah, <laughs> listen to this. Listen uh, listen to this. Uh, this question comes in from Facebook um, from Mike Hardball Harge. What is a misconception about you that you would like to clear up? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know all of the conceptions out there of me. Uh, you know, I, I try to, to stay away. You know, I, I just got back on Twitter after a close to two-year hiatus. So, you know, it just it got so negative. Um, I... I I guess maybe in, in a broad, maybe it, it doesn't pertain to me per se, but, but really everybody like, like how, how, how does, how do you judge um, a person without knowing them? Like, like how do you form any kind of opinion about a human being without getting to know them? You know, I, I just think that's a, that's a waste of brain cells. You know, you're, you're, it's an exercise in futility. I, I think anybody that, that has been a part of the programs I've been around and, and my leadership, uh, I love them and, and they love me and uh, my family loves me. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a meanie. I'm not an ogre. I'm not uh, uh, any of that, those things. Um, you know, I actually really, really care about the people uh, in our organization deeply, like, like love, like use the word love. Like I, I love our players and I love our, our staff and, um, and I treat them as, as such. And so anybody that forms an opinion from afar, um, you know, based on, uh, a, a meme based on a, a, a soundbite based on a headline, I, I just think that's so short-sighted and, and um, lazy, to be honest with you. You know, you've got to get to know the person one-on-one, um, -on -one, face to face, human to human, uh, b before you form a definitive opinion on them. And I just see that too much on social media, especially with people that that have some notoriety. Myself, other coaches, players you know, actors, you know, I don't like that guy. Really? When's the last time you talked to that guy? Well, I've, I've never talked to that guy. Well, why don't you like him? Like, you don't know him. Like, how do you, how do you like or dislike somebody 
that you don't know, you know? And so I, that, that's just a, a pet peeve of mine, if, if you will. And I, I appreciate the question. I'm, I hope I'm being an, as honest as I can. What, what was the guy's name, Taylor or, or Chip? Can we Mike. throw him back up on there? Is it Bill that Horn was, or something like that? Oh, uh, was that a comment that just popped up? Or Mike, Mike Hardball Harge. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I hope I answered your question. I, you know, I, I don't know what all the misconceptions are out there. I, I do know that early in my tenure here, I, I was seen as, um, you know, pretty heavy handed. Uh, you know, when, when you take over a, a program, uh, oh, keep keep mother hustles question up there. I'm not going to read it because I'm in the middle of a, a thought right now, but I want to answer her question too. Um, you know, when, when you take over a program that, you know, that there's only, there had only been one other time in our program's history where we had three straight losing seasons and, and we took over for the, the second one. The other one was in the thirties. Um, and so, uh, you, you got to come in swinging, swinging a sledgehammer. You, you, you can't come in. And I say that figuratively, uh, you know, I, I did do a test swing on that sledgehammer uh, on the locker in 2017 and I busted right through it and I must've hit a stud or something, but it didn't knock me down chip. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, but you, you, you can't come in swinging ice cream and lollipops. You, you just can't. I mean, there's a reason why this program, you know, lost, uh, you know, had three straight losing seasons and, um, you know, back to back years of not even going to a bowl game. And, and so um, this, this was a tall task that we were up for, but um, as far as the misconceptions go, I would, I would just urge everybody don't, don't form an opinion on, on a human being on another human being without getting to know that person. Um, because it, you, you usually dealing in half truths and, and perception rather, rather than reality. Good stuff, Arch. Yeah. Good stuff. You mean good Bill. question. You mean Bill. Bill. Way to go, Bill. <laughs> um, no, it's good stuff. And you know what, Herman, um, I've, I've said this, his teams are physical. They play you tough. And the guys, lost one game by his worst loss is 17 points right so he's he's doing something right now it's gotta you know he's got to get up over the top against OU and end their five-year stranglehold on the big 12 title right but uh yeah can't come in swinging lollipops and <laughs> and ice cream all right it is uh it's a way back Wednesday we'll talk to uh, Nick Foles tomorrow on the show you know what I mean it is bottom line Oh yeah, karaoke on a way back Wednesday. This is uh, salty. Classic. Classic. I don't think we've ever seen you perform this. You haven't seen me perform anything. Well, why not? We have a karaoke stage right here at iHeart. And it's just us. We can stay six feet apart from each other while you play. All right. <laughs> we're gonna get that going. Once we get back going, man, we're gonna be a common interest. Let's do that. Where she can really turn it up. Maybe that's where we uh, serve out the one of the one of the bets we got going. Right, right. Maybe that's it. All right, let's go to the uh, let's go to the phones. Buck has called in to three nine zero live three nine zero five four eight three. Buck, what's going on? What's going on? 
Hey, top of the morning, guys. Top hey, of the morning. <laughs> hey, Chip, you were referencing earlier the uh, the scholarships and how it may affect all of the sports, especially on the ladies' side with the Title IX. But, you know, 85 scholarships in football, technically you could award 85 scholarships to any slash uh, lady of female gender because the cost of the scholarship is irrelevant to the cost of maintaining the program. So my question is, will they even try to maintain the women's program? Because the, the professor and the desk and the classrooms are all paid for. So why not just give 85 scholarships to 85 ladies and you don't have to pay the coaches, you don't have to pay the maintenance, you don't have to pay the equipment. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I want to do it that way, but it, it might go in that direction if things don't uh, turn around financially for a lot of programs. So I just wanted your comments on that. Thanks, Buck. Well, I mean, you're right in that the cost of the program will definitely be factored in. I mean, if you're uh, a sport like um, and it's going to be the men's sports that are cut, not the right, women's. Right. The women's are going to be fine. They're, and I'm trying to look up the the scholarships, uh, the numbers, the numbers right. for um, college athletics, Division One. Okay, so, um, you know, the women's programs are going to be fine. The men's programs are the ones that are going to get impacted because of Title Nine. Title Nine says that in right. Look, I don't know that – I mean, the way that we have always processed Title IX in this country since its inception in 72 has been scholarship for scholarship. You have to have equal opportunity. And that, and there, some will debate this. Some would argue that Title IX means you have to have the number of scholarships for women – that mirrors the female population at that university. Now, the way that every athletic department has processed Title IX is scholarship for scholarship, right. meaning if there's 85 scholarships for football, there need to be 85 scholarships for women divided among several sports because there's no sport on the women's side that is the equivalent of football in terms of numbers. And so... When the cuts happen, it will, it will be from the men's side. Okay. And, you know, whether that is to, and that, whether that leads to the cutting of women's programs as well, and we do finally get to a point where it's just the 85 scholarships for football and whatever the, the female uh, sports equivalents are, rowing has a lot of scholarships. Um, but are they true scholarships? I don't think we're we're talking as much about Texas as we are the Group of Five. I think right that's now. where we need to make sure that people understand. We've we've bragged and boasted about how much money the University of Texas has brought in, but the point needs to be the Group of Five. Those are the ones, the schools that are in dire not dire straits. I shouldn't say that, but are in in need for football season to kick in to support the other scholarship sports. Right. Yeah. I mean. That's why we said Cincinnati. We didn't hear a school like Texas when it was time to cut something. Not saying we won't. Not saying we won't. But, and let's be honest, there's not a lot of soccer 
schools that are 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 known for that that you would be looking at anyway. Male sports, they don't have a lot of soccer scholarships out there. So yeah, that keep an eye on the the group of five schools now that Cincinnati has decided to cut men's soccer. <clears throat> see see what the uh, ripple effect is of that because right. we've said football football is everything and I'm not there's absolutely no doubt I can tell you for a fact I mean I wrote this story what almost two weeks ago yep. about talking to athletic directors from three power five conferences that football if it has to start in January or February it will right and that is absolutely the case there, there's no doubt about it. Like that is an active discussion, and is very plausible because they they don't want football without fans. Right. In college, eighty percent of the revenue comes from the gate, comes from the tickets, the ticket sales, the ticket contributions, the concessions, the everything around game day. Eighty percent of that revenue is coming from the gate right? and 20% from television. Whereas the NFL, it's more television than it is from the gate. So mm-hmm. just uh, just know that. And that's why I think we're going to have football. I think we're going to have it. Whether we have two football seasons in 2021, one in the spring, one in the fall. I'm just listening to you say that we're going to have two the possibility of having two football seasons in the same year is absolutely nothing that I thought I would ever hear in my lifetime where it's the same scholarship sport where kids are not getting paid to be out there and we're going to have them play football back to back in one season with no break. Basically you get what one month, two months, maybe, but then they're back on the ground working out. Spring, spring football, maybe that's gone. Oh, yeah. But, spring football will be the season. Right. It's just that, – that is just crazy for me to think. And to think that these kids aren't getting paid. That's the other part about it. That's the whole nother conversation. Oh, that's a whole nother conversation. Right. That's a whole show. But you know what? We're going to do it because we need it. We need it. Well, I got a plan. Okay, I need you. I, I need you. I know you had a plan. plan. I need it together, though. I know if Skinny Legend would <laughs> stop asking me to play Uno, I could get the book written. Need it done, brother. All right, it is. Uh, it's a bottom line. Nick Foles tomorrow. It's uh, a way back Wednesday, right here on the bottom line. It's just bad to see caught in a landslide. No escape from it's time for the Chip Shot with Chip Brown on Austin Sports Talk Leader, AM 1300 The Zone. My man, Seabreezy, this is this is one of his go-tos. But right now, I need y'all to go to him over at Horns 24-7 or at Chip Brown 247 on Instagram and Twitter. And he's here with his commentary for the day, the chip shot. All right, well let's let's go to the uh, source of our uh, karaoke songs for for way back Wednesday. So, um, and we're asking you for yours. 
at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, AM1300, The Zone. And and so here was the the point in the chat that I had with Tom Herman yesterday on Horns 24-7 that we found out Tom Herman's karaoke song. Okay, so um, finally, what is your go-to karaoke? What's your go-to karaoke? I didn't see this question in the, in the, in the preview <laughs> here, but uh, – I will I will answer it anyways. It's been a long time uh, since since I karaoke, but um, I can't believe I'm saying this. Young MC's "Bust a Move" is is my uh, my go to karaoke. It, it gets the gets the crowd involved with the "You want it, you got it," <laughs> you, you know the whole. So it gets the crowd involved. It's uh, it's it's difficult, but if you've got it memorized, you, you can get through it. And um, you know, it's a, it's something everybody likes to dance to too. So um, that has been my go-to for probably twenty years now, Chip. To be honest. Hey, hey man, that was good. That was, that was good. good, right? Yeah, that was absolutely good. Come on, man. It was the fact that you got an opportunity to ask him a question that. No one else had asked him, Chip. He didn't, you didn't, he didn't get a chance to preview it. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. So, uh, fun conversation. Check that out. It's uh, I, We've tweeted it out from AM1300, The Zone, all the social media accounts. But uh, the conversation, it's on YouTube, The Texas Tailgate with Tom Herman. and uh, It even made K-View last night. Made K-View. Yep. yep. And, uh, and KXAN. Yep, yep, yep. So, that was nice. Yep. Of, uh, of those those guys, but um, you know, I think some things that stood out Harge in talking to uh, to Tom Herman uh, were the. I know for you it was that you know Jordan Whittington is still kind of working his way back from the sports hernia surgeries. Yep. But the um, you know some of the players that he mentioned as guys who could be um, you know guys that they're looking looking toward and counting on guys who uh, maybe we're not talking much about on defense he mentioned Kenyatta Watson who certainly flashed I mean if you say Chris Adamora now it's not as much of a surprise because the kid made some plays toward the end of the year but he barely played and Kenyatta Watson was somebody that I was on from the very beginning I thought because he's long chip he's a big corner and all he needed to do was get some strength once he got the strength and got the game reps. Like I said, if you don't play, I don't care what nobody say. If I can't get in there and get some game rep with game speed, I could practice hard all week. And Kenyatta Watson got a chance to play, and he made plays. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he he talked about, um, you know, Brendan Eagles on offense. He talked about some guys on the offensive line, like Christian Jones, Willie Tyler, yep. Tyler Johnson, Reese Moore, guys who are going to have a chance to fight along with Denzel Okafor, a uh, chance to fight it out for the, the two starting spots that are available on the offensive line. And and then as far as the coronavirus, I asked him if it was affecting you know, recruiting of grad transfers because those are the guys who have to make a decision here coming up pretty quick. Right. And he said, no question. It's He said some guys are probably going to have to make a decision without ever visiting. Right. And he, he said that's not ideal at all, but it's kind of the way of the world. Yeah. Because Michigan receiver uh, Tariq Black, now this is not something that Herman can talk about, but I can tell you 
that Tariq Black was a guy who Texas was interested in having come for a visit. Well, his visit got canceled because of the coronavirus, and now we'll see. Does that recruitment even continue? Does it not? He Herman basically said that they were looking for a linebacker in the transfer portal. Well, and, and the thing about it, and I'm glad you, you did ask that question and the question was brought up about that, is think about those kids that are in limbo. So how are, you know, Tom Herman even mentioned, sometimes you got to recruit a kid back like he did with Jawan Mitchell and Denzel Okafer. Well, now what about those other kids that were going to transfer? To some of those coaches, they moved on from you. Once you in some some situations, now I gotta be like, Coach, um, you mind? Am I back? What are you What are you doing? Like, are we cool? It's hard. It's I'm gonna leave you. Oh, I got no gas in my car. I'm gonna stay here. Well, for that's a little the while. <laughs> that's the for a while. that's the chance you take right in entering the portal right because the the stipulations are that if you enter the portal, you can be released from your scholarship at the end of that semester. So I would say the majority of those situations are going to be you're out of your scholarship. Right. So if you entered the portal at the wrong time and you don't have a way back, it you are in limbo. Right. Now, another thing that I thought was interesting was Herman brought up the vote that's coming up in May for the, the one-time transfer without having to sit out a year. And... Everyone's watching that to see how the Division I Council votes on that because in other sports, it already exists right. where you can transfer without having to sit out a year. But for football, basketball, women's basketball, you have to sit out a year. But in it back to where we were talking about non-revenue generating sports or where they are able to make that happen where you don't have to sit out or is it right, all? Right, but now they're talking about allowing right. it for football, basketball. Right. And what's your vote? Well, I think they're going to let it. I think they're going to vote it through because it's a student athlete rights issue. Right. And you're trying to empower the student athlete. You're not paying them. You're not paying. So giving them, give them as much freedom and control over their college experience as possible. And Herman said, you're going to have to re-recruit kids on your roster. Right. You're going to have to constantly, um, you know, be aware of what other schools are trying to do to lure players off your roster. I right. mean, it it's got it's got a Pandora's box feel to it. But the programs that are winning are gonna they're the ones that are gonna profit the most. Right. I mean, if Alabama or Clemson says, "Hey, we want you," kids are gonna listen. True. Right now. True. And so. That's another reason that you got to get your program up to where you're competing for conference championships so that kids don't want to leave. Right. So the kids are like, hey, man, I want to be a part of this. I just love being a part of this team. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll wait my turn. Right. Because that's what, that's what Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney have been able to do. They've been able to get kids to wait. Remember how Mike Leach always had a quarterback sometimes who would be there Remember B.J. Simmons? Oh yeah, at Texas Tech, he he was there, you know, four years. He got to play one, but they waited because the, they knew they were going to have some fun when they got their shot, and they knew they were going to put up yards, right, and right, have a chance, be in history, at, right, yeah. And that's 
that's what Alabama and Clemson have been able to do here lately in getting kids to wait their turn instead of just transferring out. Right. And so that's that's definitely something uh, to keep an eye on. All right, uh, good stuff. Again, you can check out that entire chat over at Horns 24-7. And uh, thanks again to Tom Herman for, for doing it. And uh, we'll come back. We'll give you a couple nuggets. We will send you off to Dan Patrick. We'll do that next right here on a Way Back Wednesday on the bottom line. Oh, yeah, get to the podcast page. It's podcast season. It's a uh, perfect way to pass the day when you're sheltering in place. And, I mean, our interview with Eric Metcalf yesterday, fantastic. Our interview with Tom Herman from Friday. Just scroll down through the podcast page. You'll find it, and and then, you know, just start listening to today's show again. Exactly. And then not only that, we also got to interview the one of the hottest prospects that is out there in the high school sports for basketball, Greg Brown. You covered his father when he was at the University of Texas. So get over to the podcast page because there is something that you miss throughout the show that when you go back and listen to it, it piques your interest even more so. That's right. You miss something every time. It's like those TV shows you're you're binging. You oh. know, you, you miss stuff. You got to go back. You got to you got to make sure you get it all. And tomorrow, Nick Foles. There Kid you me? go. Come on, man. Well, I know you guys are excited about that. I know you, Hard, you, Salty, are incredibly excited. I, I have... think we're more excited to watch you. Oh. In the way that you react to what? interviewing Westlake Mafia, Foles. man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Drew Brees, Nick Foles, Super Bowls. It's amazing. Yeah. Westlake. Westlake Mafia. There you go. We are your home for Westlake football, by the way. In case you did not remember that. That's right. That's right. Right here. AM 1300, the zone. Salty smiling. I know she's... (laughs) I I was just stalking Nick on his Twitter page, and it looks like his Foles Believe Foundation announced nine inaugural grants... It looks like they're going to food banks in cities where he is from, so Austin, Central Texas area, and um, in areas where he's played in his NFL career. Good for Nick. Way to go, Nick. There we go. It's a way to go. And he's updated his profile picture to not a drawing, so I approve. (laughs) So you're excited about that, right? It's a much better edit. Right, right. That's right, baby. Nick Files. That's right. Okay, so I'm watching this True Detective season one with McConaughey. Right. I mean, McConaughey is amazing. He gets to play himself <laughs> in almost every movie. He's like Jack Nicholson. Right. When you're that iconic as a personality, you get to play yourself. Right. Just write you into the movie. <laughs> right. Just show up. I mean, the way he delivers lines and it's just, I, I think I'm about to hear, all right, all right, all right, just about every <laughs> time he opens his mouth. Like, that is awesome. He would Brilliant. prefer to have it that way. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Right. I just want to keep living, baby. Keep living. Keep living. I want to be me. So, yeah. There you go. Speaking of, man, I wanted to ask you this. Now, we've talked a lot about all the shows that we've watched, all the 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 different times. Like, someone tweeted out yesterday, I'm ready for Netflix 2 to start. Because they've gone through everything. <laughs> I've finished Netflix. Right, right. You've finished Netflix. Of all the shows that you've seen, what would be your number one that we were talking about going back, like the podcast page? You go back and you listen. 
what would be a show that you would go back and watch again because it was that good? Shows that I've seen during quarantine specifically? No, period. Period. I love a show that just ended the series called Shit's Creek. Yep, yep, yep. It's hilarious, and there's so many tiny nuances that I probably missed just watching it through one time that okay. I could easily sit down and watch that again. Okay. Chip? Um, you know, I probably don't have anything unique or original. So, I, well, Peyton's Place, I would say. Right. That's not on Netflix. That's good. That's okay. worth watching. Okay. I know that's on ESPN Plus, so that might be tricky for some. But, um, Nar- Narcos, you've already seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, but, but, that's but, also on Netflix, so but I'm not so, helping you, Harsh. But, well, but I'm just saying, what would it be that would be your go-to say, you know what, I want to go back and watch that entire series again. Mine would be The Sopranos. Because when you, because it was so long, like some people love Entourage. Some people watch different series that are on that you, you made sure you were ready to watch on Sundays or whatever night your show came on. Sopranos is something that I would want to watch again because you forgot how each person got to where they were. So you go back and you look at Tony Soprano. How did he become a made man? I forgot. I forgot. But I would like to watch the entire series again to see how everything, that last show where they're sitting at the bar, at the, the, the diner. Right. Were you expecting it to end that way? You kept With waiting. journeys, don't stop believing. Right, which led you to believe somebody was getting whacked. And then black. Black. So that would be another show that I would want to go Entourage. Back watch. You mentioned Entourage. Right. That'd be one. Right. Right. Because be you, you would be laughing every week, but you were trying to figure out who is going to be kicked out of their group. You know what show I've never watched? The Office. Oh my gosh. That's a good one to So I, I probably that one. I probably need to just get going on the office. You yes. do. Another, a lot of jokes you're missing out on. Right. Just a in ton. life. In life, yeah. And then another one one other one for me would be uh two and a half men. Two oh, and yeah. a half men. But the one with Charlie Sheen, not with Ashton Kutcher. For sure. Like that when he got on there, I tried it and it's like there's no Charlie Harper. Right. I need Charlie Harper. No, I agree with you. That show fell off a cliff right. without Charlie Sheen. Right. And I, I'm with you. I mean, Two and a Half Men is on my TV as background right. almost every day. Like, exactly. At some point when I'm making dinner or something. For sure. In For fact, sure. I think you mean I'm ordering? Dead. You mean ordering dinner? Well, that too. <laughs> Reheating? I ordered dinner from Cover 2 last night. I know. I saw. But I'm probably the worst dad in the world because I took my, my 12-year-old daughter to see the Book of Mormon, and she has sort of become a fan of Two and a Half Men. Hey, like, well, you do have her probably, watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette with you. Well, that's her call. Come on. But I like how she says it. She's like, it's so bad, it's good, Dad. <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. Ridiculous. I'm like, okay. I think I've watched maybe in my life how long has this show been running? How long has The Bachelor or Bachelorette been running? Forever. Right. I think I've watched one episode with Rachel Lindsay, 
and then I watch one ap- episode with the dudes from Dog. Okay, what was your soap opera though? Uh, Days of Our Lives. See, Days of Our Lives. It's but amazing. that was during my baseball oh, yeah. days. I don't watch oh, I it anymore. I know every pro athlete right. has a soap opera. Right. Days you of ask, Our Lives. You ask any <laughs> pro athlete because of their schedule. Yep. Midday television. Because right. of their schedule. Right. They all have a soap opera. Well, my favorite soap opera was. Uh, Oh, which gosh. which one the is Jenny the one? Jones show? Remember oh. Sally Jesse Raphael? Oh Lord, those which, were my favorites. Which, which one is uh, Victor on? Is that That's, uh, Young, Young and the Restless? Restless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was Joey Galloway's yeah. favorite, yeah. and and Darren Woodson's. Yep. Just yeah. see Jimmy Fallon last week with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig did a spoof on a soap opera called The Longest Days of Our Lives. <laughs> oh no! And it's it's funny. Okay, I'm gonna have Jimmy to check Fa- that one. Jimmy out. Fallon is <laughs> creative. So creative. Yeah. He wrote he wrote a song for uh, Adam Sandler, right? Called "Don't Touch Grandma" about the <laughs> coronavirus. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's talented. I was like, did Sandler write this? And then Sandler's like, so I want to thank Jimmy Fallon for writing that. Right. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. impressive. I it's like impressive. It. I like it, uh, but not surprising. And Tina Fey, you know, she's my crush. But um, <laughs> hey, Salty, you're the best. Thanks to uh, everybody. Um, and get to the podcast page. Nick Foles tomorrow. Salty, you're the best. Hard just do it again tomorrow. And in the immortal words of our brother from another mother, Sean Adams. The dream is free. The hustle sold separately. Go wash your hands. Peace. Peace.